Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 82 of Purple Hyacinth, Cold Solid Stand. And today with us, we have Kama Lama and Meg, and I'll let these ladies introduce themselves. Hi. Hi, my name is Kama Lama, and uh, yeah, I've been a longtime fan of Purple Hyacinth, been a longtime webtoon reader. Um, I love looking at content. Uh, I've been on radio previously with Fresh, Re- Fresh Perspective Show for w- WCHE 1520. Um, I have a background in music and in art and uh, functional art and school and science and all those fun things. And I actually do have a small background in local government. So Ohio appeals to me on the justice level too. So yeah. Um, I'm Meg. I've been reading Purple High since um, since it came out. Longtime webtoon reader. Um, by day, I'm an accountant, and by night, I am also an accountant. Um, I have a musical background, uh, write music, and uh, hobby. I write for a hobby, but um, just really enjoy the story, the plot lines, and I'm excited to be a part of this podcast. Thank you so so much for coming on, and I'm excited to see that you guys are here. So let's get straight into it. I saw you guys did um, a little bit of pre-analysis and it was fantastic, so I'm very excited. <laughs> so, Solid Stand, we start with a flashback of Lauren interrogating Tim Sake back when she was still a detective. And Tim Sake is saying, yes, just like the Allendale train station tragedy. And now we have the lie in red. Nobody could have known they were strike there. I, for one, was shocked. And of course, there we have Lauren digging like a pencil into just completely breaking it because, you know, this is, she hears the lie and it's about the Allendale train station, which is of course the worst thing ever. And, you know, the next panel, you see her just like jumping up, yelling, he's part of this phantom, phantom scythe. And now we have some narration a year ago and you see Lauren sitting outside in a, um, a bench with her head in her hands. And then she throws her head back and she says, I messed up. Why does this rage take me over so easily? And yeah, that's definitely very Lauren. You know, Lauren is not one who can control her temper quite well. And you see Herman over here saying, hand me your IU badge, um, because that's, you know, that's when she lost, um, lost her temper, lost her badge. And then you also see a flashback of Kevin Chow's wife um, being dragged along by the, the police saying, it wasn't me, I'm being framed, I swear I'm innocent, um, crying. And now Lauren is looking, you know, down and she's like, I've lost my authority to change anything, which that's, you know, she says, I'm sorry, Maria. And, um, you know, that's the, I think, I think you guys were talking about this, you know, that the fact that she's not just saying like, okay, I lost, it's not something like, like a matter of pride for her. Like, oh, I'm a detective and now I'm no longer a detective. Like I'm lower in the totem pole. She wants to have the ability to actually help people. I think it's easy. Yeah. To you go ahead, Meg. 
Okay. Something that you brought up. Uh, <laughs> you get the floor. Um, this, it's this one thing that I was thinking about when I read that panel was um, Lauren's very obsessed about, um, you know, getting justice for Dylan and, and um, just finding the leader, obviously, and everything like that. But it's easy to forget that at the same time, she is a police officer and she is a good person. She does care about other people, but it's easy to forget that when we're so focused on the story and the mystery and her dynamic with the other characters, it's easy to forget that at the heart, she's still a person who is not just interested in caring about herself, but caring about other people. Um, let me look what I had in my notes. Um, it's just, I'm glad they highlighted that, basically. Um, it's, like I said, easy to forget. And it's an important part of Lauren's character. And it's, I, I think she, I wish she focused it on it just a bit more because she is so obsessive. That's kind of a character flaw for her. Um, but it was nice to see it highlighted in this chapter. Yeah, and I remember when you wrote that to in the in the chat, Meg, about how that is a very, it's so refreshing to finally see this art come back around. Um, very early, I feel like in the episodes, in the initial episodes, um, what was easy for us to get hooked on in terms of accepting Lauren as a really awesome character was the fact that she did display a lot of control and focus on um, justice for all beings, especially that first episode, especially when you see um, the juxtaposition of her being able to walk into this uh, potential explosion about to occur, uh, willingly risking her life, even though she knows at the time that it's not that great of a risk and being able to maintain her composure all throughout when interacting with the officers and just doing what she knows needs to be done. And then later she turns the corner and she completely breaks down, um, you know, caught up in her emotions of uh, reflecting on how she was able to stop at this time. Um, we see what motivates her to continue doing this work as an officer, what motivates her to continue um, with Loon. We understand why she would be motivated to uh, create this alliance with Kieran, why she would be willing to go so far. Um, and we did have uh, a very long arc of seeing more about her obsession with Dylan, like you said, and it's very refreshing that in these last few episodes, you start to see that turn um, back towards a focus on truth and justice, also with herself, holding herself accountable to um, her own uh, her own actions that have gotten to her, gotten her into a place where now her ability to enact justice is compromised by her focus on things that are based more in either revenge or personal gratification than justice. And uh, it's really, really nice to see what had be become kind of a little bit of a narrative flaw in focusing on um, a couple different traits that we saw from her uh, compulsion to just kind of go with whatever she wanted to do. You know, we saw her making kind of bad lies to her friend that we could obviously spot were kind of the bad lies and just reacting to um, all this and all this information coming at her to now she's getting better at lying by telling the truth 
to Herman in uh, what was it, the last episode. Now we see that her truth and her humility about her actions enable her to uh, bring about some actual justice. We get to see what her strengths are and we get to see her acknowledge her strengths and be self-aware of her own personal growth. And to see the character get something out of their own story to actually have physical gains is like the most rewarding thing as a reader because that is what you're invested in. You're invested in seeing the transformation of the characters to enact the transformation of that world that has been built around them. And, um, and it gives you something as a reader to digest and think about and process. And so it's very rewarding to yeah, see that. Yeah, we love self-awareness. <laughs> Hashtag self-awareness. <laughs> and, you know, but you yeah. see here, right, what she's doing now is she is trying to do exactly what you're saying, to get justice. She's visiting Maria Chow in the jail cell. And she's asked herself, why did I come here? And she says, hey, and you see Maria sitting um, facing the wall, hunched over, seeming dejected even from the back, um, the number 1089, she's in a prisoner's outfit. And she says, hey, I'm de tech. And then she stops herself and she says, Officer Sinclair, as Maria turns around. And she says, I helped work um, on Chow's case. And Maria comes over, rushes over to the bars and says, I didn't kill him. I know we'd separated, but I still loved him. And she says, I can't leave our daughter all alone outside. You're the only one who believed me. And you just see like the anguish in her eyes. And she, Maria says, I don't know why or how, but you're the only one who knew. <sighs> and again, Lauren's thinking back to like, how did she know? She's thinking back to the first, one of the early lines that she heard at the Allendale train station, right? The next train will leave at 1045. You know, child, her, the years to come will be the brightest our tallest has known. And, you know, she's, this is the, the skill that she's been born with. And Marie's like, how did you know the only one who knew that I was innocent? You're the only one who can help me. And again, Lauren is just thinking back to the explosion. You see like a red explosion. And Maria says, please help. And to her, this is like, I feel like this is all, her pursuit of justice is all mixed together, starting with like that overwhelming burden she feels for the Allendale train station tragedy. Even though she was a child, she always feels guilty that she didn't do anything about the lies that she heard. And I think that really reflects in like it's a motivator for her to try to stop things that she hears with lies now in the present. Yeah, that's always a really good, um, you, you bring up an important point um, again with um, the fact that, yeah, this episode was really good about bringing it all back together. Like Meg was saying, like you were saying about um, how it comes back to not just being about her own personal investment. And it actually is really good for the audience to see how all of these events tie together. Because once again, it also does invest us actually in the world that's being built around us. You know, we want to see, it makes us as readers want to see um, justice come forth for more than one person. And we remember, oh yeah, the show is about more than, you know, all of our ships. Um, and uh, it really, <laughs> which sometimes it's hard for it not to be about anything other than our ships right. but um, but it's nice to it's and it's nice to see also I don't know about you guys um, but it's really refreshing uh, lately to see more of these background characters step up and become more real and not just events in a plot um, yeah what do you guys think about that? 
I mean, and I know we're about to talk about March as, you know, as his scenes come up, but um, he's one of the newer, newer, well, he's not newer, he's been there from, since the beginning, but yeah. it's nice to see him just have more of a presence, more of a story, and, um, and like you said, just not be a, 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 um, a chess piece on a board for the plot, like he's an actual character, he has an actual story, and that's what's great about big stories like this, it's a bunch of little stories coming together kind of fitting together like a puzzle piece and you can there's so many different angles to look at it and this is one, one of the reasons why I love it just different angles and um and growing the different characters is a good way to expand on that too yeah and I think it gives a fuller context as well to once again to not only what's going on but it gives a fuller context to the characters because it shows them what they're like in different kinds of relationships and that gives us information as far as what the characters you know how they actually operate because you don't really know someone until you've seen them operate on multiple levels and different multiple occasions um so I really I really loved you know Maria Chow suddenly didn't just become a memory she's there physically in the flesh and actually I remember the first time that I was reading that panel uh Mindy and Meg where uh I actually thought it was a flashback at first and then by the end of it I was like oh it wasn't a flashback oh wow that's cool oh my gosh she's still alive it's great um so being able to kind of that was almost also rewarding and I'm hoping knocking wood I'm hoping that that's some foreshadowing that we'll be able to see her Maria Chow actually get released and that that gives us that gives us a setup for an unexpected but I think much needed payoff um because one thing about um just cop shows and gritty dramas in general is sometimes it can get too weighed down with uh the seriousness and too weighed down with um build up build up build up and not mm -hmm. enough payoff what's been happening lately is we're starting to see it come full circle and a lot of the setups are actually having real payoffs and sometimes even the little payoffs are what motivates you to keep going for the bigger payoffs so i really appreciate that it was wonderful yeah you know it's good when the new chapter yeah. can always make your heart rate like increase a little bit every single time nine well nine o'clock for um those of us who live on the east coast i know me my heartbeat just goes Whoa! <laughs> yeah uh -huh. it's funny because i usually um <laughs> don't read the episode at nine o'clock because i like to read it when i'm like in bed and everything's done and i don't go to bed at nine o'clock so i you know i like to save the best for last that's always my philosophy so <laughs> i read a couple hours afterwards but anywho so Lauren has this extremely determined look on her face, which is something that she has a lot. She's a very determined person. And she tells her, I will do my best. And, um, you know, now we have another flashback of her, you know, this is, she's around the corner. We hear a big bang. And this is Tim Stake on the ground, Lauren rushing over immediately, like as soon as she's turning the corner, taking off her coat to help him. And, you know, she's trying to compress his wounds. <laughs> Tim Stake has his eyes open and actually is looking at her. I mean, it's pretty crazy for Lauren to be helping her about an enemy. <laughs> and, you know, of course, there she is working on him, and there's a bunch of police officers surrounding the corner. I mean, doesn't look great for her. <laughs> as, as far as that, that one particular scene, the first thing that popped into my head was she said, I will do my best. That's what she told Chow's wife. And 
from that standpoint, just looking back, Lauren's always done her best. She's always given 110% every single time, whether it's her enemy or not. Like she does the right thing. She does have very strong, uh, she has a very strong center. She doesn't, she's not somebody who, who, who questions herself a lot. Like she's a very strong in what she wants and what she believes she should do. And the past couple chapters, we've seen her get shaken up a little bit, but um, it's, I think that was almost like a self-reflection though, that she said, I, I will do my best. And she does do her best like every single time. Yeah, I think that's totally the case. Um, right, wrong or indifferent. Uh, she, she definitely goes for it in terms of like, even if, even if it is uh, a sudden impulse. And I think that's where the self-reflection comes in. She'll always do with what she feels vindicated in doing at the time. And I think what we're seeing now is, and this episode is a really, this episode and the last episode too, are really good, um, are really cool indicators of that. She's bringing it back around and she's starting to learn. Um, it, the implication is that she's starting to learn that maybe I need to process these things a little bit more and let's see how this works out. And hopefully this works out so that I actually can affect change. And yeah, that was a cool moment. I totally co-sign that, Meg. And we have a little flashback to somebody who appreciates her. And we have Kieran telling her it's your time to shine, detective. And Lauren smiling. Detective. She appreciates her abilities, her, A, her abilities to put things together and be in the, you know, do some deductive, inductive reasoning. And he also does appreciate her pursuit for justice, you know, and he helped her out in, in that to, you know, put together this, this case to help free Maria. Oh, he appreciates her guys that speaking of ships, you can't have ships without friendships. And this is definitely a good solid friendship building up over here. And the way he said detective in that moment, I mean, just me, I, there wasn't any joking there. I think he meant it a hundred percent respectfully. So I, I just love that. I'm still dancing over that moment. He's, he respects her. He appreciates her abilities. He's affirming her. He's validating her. Ugh. Respectful King. We love to see it. Love it. And she gave a little smile, a little pleased smile. <laughs> My heartbeat. <laughs> that is one thing I love about, um, all of the characters in Lauren's life and what uh, they set up in the story is that um, there's not a single character that doubts her ability to accrue evidence, to connect evidence to each other, apart from her own unique ability to detect lies. Some of the, some people that are in her life that affirm her ability as a detective don't even know that she, or at least it's not known to us as the audience that they even know that she has the ability to detect lies, like um, Detective March, like Harvey when he was around. Um, but everyone can agree that she does have a lot of integrity and she is really masterful at connecting the dots. And um, that that's just, that's always nice to see. And yeah, that, that, was, that was a positive moment. I agree, it's very important for um, and I actually think that one of the things that makes this particular comic stand out is that it seems to really understand that a solid friendship is the basis of any kind of ship. 
and establishing that connection and where the characters meet in terms of perspective, where they diverge, um, what each of them brings to the table separately, what they do together and um, positioning that uh, analysis and uh, that evidence to the audience to be able to take in and really develop a fondness and or an understanding for creates a really positive investment. And uh, it is nice to see, it is nice to see this ship coming back around in a much healthier way. And I totally agree with you, Meg. That was, uh, I, that was totally meant respectfully. That was them coming back to the center that they had originally had. And I would argue that even though this isn't necessarily on loon time, I'm gonna just, uh, me and my own little fandom world, I'm gonna cross this off as uh, a loon case that went very well. Um, <laughs> and this is their, this is like their preliminary accruing of justices till they get to the big one where they actually catch the leader and bring him to justice. I think it's a nice, you know, their first win, their first solid win together. Yeah. So in the aim of trying to get that done, we have a few days later, we see Lauren in the interrogation room telling um, the details to the, the police. Her version of the story fits what we already have. We have, you know, she's obviously just, just said everything and March says that. And he says, Sake would have had time to break into her apartment and leave before we reached the crime scene. Uh, we see the little granny on the side. So she, they've just come from talking with her, obviously. And it wouldn't be the first time a witness has wanted to change their deposition once the killer is dead. Herman is like, uh, except we already locked the killer behind bars. We don't have anything else to prove Thick's guilt here. It's one woman's word against the evidence. Make March rejoins. Maria could have been framed. That wouldn't be her first either. It's pretty simple, actually. Could have drugged her with a black market sedative born and failed on him last year. And Herman says, have you intend to prove this in court? Um, they wouldn't revisit it, this their sentence based on such flimsy speculation. And then Lauren comes with a entire loose sleep of papers. And she says, if you take a look at this, you might change your mind. There are other cases that could be linked to this one. So again, Lauren is well-prepared. This is not something that Kieran gave her. This is all her own investigative work. And Herman's like, what the hell is this Sinclair? Last I checked, you were still on suspension. <laughs> uh... You're not a detective. You're actually a suspect in this man's murder. So uh, kind of like putting the knife in, like digging it in deeper, you know, like just it's enough. She knows she's not a detective, but he has to rub it in. And what tells me you didn't bribe the poor woman to help your case? But March comes in to save the day and he thumps his foot down on the ground. He says, Captain Herman, I'm not trying to. And so, you know, oh, wait, no, that's actually Lauren, right? Lauren's thumping the foot on the ground. Yeah. Whoops. Okay. So Lauren says, I'm not trying to overstep the boundaries of my suspension. You may dislike me because I let personal feelings affect my duty a year ago. And you're right. I have messed up. And you guys are pointing out, and I'll let you guys say that, she is taking responsibility for what she did. Um, I was just, I'm going to like go directly off my notes here because I liked what I typed. Um, going back to how March butted in, um, one thing I noticed, I've been doing a long reread like the seventh reread um, since of the beginning uh, of this comic here recently. And one thing I've always noticed is when Herman starts to discredit, discourage, criticize Lauren in any way, shape or form, either March or Kim or Will always steps in with 
and tried to highlight her accomplishments, her skills, like every single time, try to take the negative limelight off of her it, every single time they do that. And March is now doing that again. Like he's got a track record of this. This isn't just something he's doing the first time out of the blue. Um, and then Lauren's response is just, it's just perfect in every sense of the word. Um, like you were saying, Mindy, she's humble and she respects, um, accepts the responsibility for the things that she did. She knows she messed up. She knows it was wrong. She knew she shouldn't have shoved that guy's head into the glass. Surprise. Um, and she doesn't make excuses, um, which is what I feel like a lot of us would have done in those situations. Like she knows she's right. She knows the wrong killer's been locked up, but she doesn't say any of that. Um, she And she has the guts to stand up for herself and face this person who has constantly been negative towards her, which takes guts, especially if it's your boss. Um, and just points out to him that, hey, this, isn't, this is about truth. This is about justice. And we've got to keep our personal feelings out of it basically throwing his exact words back into his face where he told her that when he told her that she couldn't keep her personal feelings out of work like that was irony that was satisfying that was just I loved that moment that was just great throwing her his own words back in his face that was so rewarding I loved reading every second of that exchange and you are so right um you know and this actually this is a totally unpopular opinion and I know this but this is actually the episode in which going off of what you said about March and Kim and Will like this is the episode where it was really nice to see and I know we haven't gotten to that panel yet but this was uh really nice to see that after and during this uh quick conversation and I also want to say that even though March says more in the next couple panels the fact that he was there and just the visual of because I think they show it in a couple panels the visual of him standing next to her and um I think you were saying it earlier uh in this podcast Meg where um you know he's always um you know he no one ever he never discredits her or never sees her as anything other than a detective um you know he sh that's shown visually and that's really really masterful and I think also uh, as you're well as you were speaking about how you know Herman can't keep his personal feelings out always will or Kim or March or whoever's next to Lauren will come to her defense it's interesting to note that this is a really good way of illustrating a toxic workplace and I could never really appreciate it for what it was until this moment. Um, and yeah, the irony here is just absolutely wonderful. Um, that manager that yeah. yeah, but my unpopular opinion is, and I left a comment, this was, this was, this episode was like one of those first moments where it's like, oh my gosh, do, do I, do I feel a ship? a ship for um, March and Lauren. And there are a couple of reasons why that can't happen, but it's just like, it's so refreshing 
to see someone um, just, you know, to see this really healthy exchange. And it starts with uh, Lauren actually healthfully bringing to the table and really respectful too. And we've seen how in the previous episodes, she's grown to have just as much a resentment of Herman as Herman does of her, but she's able to put that to the side and try to call it back to the mission that they both supposedly align with. And it's interesting to see that how, even though he doesn't capitulate, he does try, he does acknowledge some of what Lauren's saying. Now he still has like some hella uh, resentful feelings against her. And that eventually overrides into him making excuses as to why he can't explore this. But it is interesting to see that she so skillfully lays out this evidence that he's having trouble, that he has to resort to making personal attacks to make this not admissible evidence or testimony or an admissible file. So it really does, it did a lot for us for the character of Lauren but it also did a lot for us for the character of Herman because now he's fleshed out a little bit more to be more nuanced than just a bad guy. We get to see his flaw, even though we already knew that he had the flaw of being you know, really resentful towards Lauren. We do get to see that he still operates within the realm of world building that's been set up for us, within the realm of these being very human characters that still have to, na- we get to see some of his, ability to navigate through a situation without just being oh you know f lauren i don't like her um and he just gets away with it he doesn't get to get completely away with it so that's really refreshing to see and it's just i love this conversation so much and i love what you said about it meg well what you just said was development on human side like it's nice to see that. And you know, when somebody starts making personal attacks in a debate, debate like that, that automatically means they're losing. Yes, you are so right. You are so right. So rewarding. <laughs> Actually, I don't dislike Herman as a character and I don't, um, I, I really, everyone seems to hate him. I don't, I think it's because I like tough people and I like people who are, um, what's the word? So we're, I don't know, but people who are tough. I do like that. Um, and I, I know he has issues and personal issues, but I get it. Like I, I have sympathy, I guess, or not necessarily sympathy, but I understand him. So, and I don't see him as like an evil character. I see him as having flaws, but I do see him as being, trying to do overridingly like his, his desire and goal in life is to do his job well. So whether, you know, he does let his personal feelings get interfere with that, but I don't see him as like necessarily like a selfish character or evil character more than just a regular human being with flaws. Anywho. I get that. No, I respect that. And one last thing before we jump on to the next panel, um, commentary on the March and Lauren ship idea. I was thinking something, but it wasn't ship. I was kind of looking at that and I know she's got Uncle Tristan, but I was just like, huh. This kind of sounds like a conversation Lauren might have with her dad or a mentor. Um, that's the kind of relationship that kind of struck me. I was just like, he sounds like her dad here. And it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily, so speaking as, speaking as someone who is Demi, so me, all relationships are friendships first. Um, I can't have, I can't personally have it any other way. Um, so for me, looking at this, uh, the conversations between uh, Lauren and March, 
it was just once again that really satisfying friendship like what we were talking about with uh Kieran and Lauren and it did it did kind of cut either way like this could either be a great conversation that you have with your friend who knows you really well or your mentor figure whether that's your father or you know your big brother or sibling or whatever and it was just really enriching yeah to see again that that supportive uh, someone in Lauren's corner that's not just you know her best friends it, it kind of almost um gives you as a reader a little bit of hope in terms of uh, and again, we're jumping ahead of the panels, but um, it gives us a little bit of hope in terms of her being able to be believed outside of her best friends. Like you don't have to know yeah. her day-to-day -day life to see the value in what she brings to the table, see the value in what she has to say and see the value in the connections that she makes. And this gives us, very, it gives us whether consciously or unconsciously hope as a reader and investment in seeing that long-term future and seeing that long-term dream of them being, bringing the leaders to, leader to justice as Loon, um, an actual possibility, a real possibility that the public would be able to accept this. And actually, I wanted to touch on what you were saying, Mindy, just now about uh, your like for Herman. I do think that's a very interesting point um, that didn't quite materialize until you said that. Um, but it's interesting to note how they start off being each other's foils, um, in, especially within the sake arc, that you know Herman is the guy who will not flout the rules for anything and lauren is the person that in order to it you know for him the uh the ends don't justify the means so he risks not achieving the ends that he hopes to lauren is the means um you know the ends do justify the means within a certain parameter so she's willing to uh, make an alliance with someone from the phantom side in order to achieve ultimate justice, but she risks her position on being the right side of the law. So now we're starting, and so in one case, Lauren is the person who invests in her personal feelings more, and Herman is seemingly the person who invests in the rules more. Now we're seeing the tables kind of turn. We see her navigating through these rules in such a way that she cannot be dismissed even by someone who has very intense personal feelings against her and we see Herman giving in more to his personal feelings and it's starting to be revealed that these are more of his personal feelings but now uh but the rules are not necessarily in his favor anymore for carrying that out and that is kind of a really I think significant um, piece of writing in terms of the ability of these characters to transform and the ability of the tables to turn in terms of uh, what will ultimately triumph in terms of it's not just a good versus evil story it's uh, specific values will triumph at the end of the day and it's a really good lesson about uh, how you go about something determine determines not just what you're going for, but how you go about something will, in this world, determine ultimately how it's received by the public and how it's able to be carried out. So that all around is great.
and I am so excited to talk about this next panel and just go off on March's awesomeness again. <laughs> All right, so and Lauren is saying now that it's not, not personal. He's trying to get Herman out of the personal um, antagonism that he has. And she says, this isn't about me and it isn't about you. And she slams the loose sleeve on the table. An innocent woman has been rotting in the tower for a year. And last time I checked, it was our duty to uphold justice in the city. And she is appealing to his values. That is what he values. So she wants to show him this is what we're doing this for. And, you know, Herman says, you can't redefine justice and bend the rules however you want, which is a point in the heart because this is exactly what she is doing and something that she <laughs> isn't quite sure about. She's still very anxious about it and she worries about it. You know, the fact that after the tower, especially, you know, and all those killings, she was like, she felt responsible are all those killings on my hand. You know, how am I teaming up with this guy? So it's bringing up some painful thoughts for her. And, you know, she clenches her hand then unclenches it and decides to continue. You know, she controls that. And she says, Captain Herman, if I may interject. Oh, sorry, that's actually uh, March, <laughs> sorry. But you know, that's something he wounded her directly. <laughs> yeah, and then March says, Captain Herman, if I may interject, Lauren is clever and perceptive and has never given you a reason to doubt her morals, <laughs> except for when she was at the circus, you know, the world of Viper, but whatever. Her hypothesis has never um, been completely improbable. And now the witness's confession just changes everything. I've looked at the files she compiled on Seek and she's got enough evidence to open up an investigation. And Lauren's looking at him, you know, with her open eyes, like, what? Like, you're defending me like this? We cannot just discard her work. And I strongly believe she may be right. And she gives a little smile. <laughs> oh, I love that smile. It makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, after, especially after being in suspicion, you know, it must feel terrible to come to work the people that you know you love, you work with, you want to get along with, and then half of them are suspicious of you as being a murderer. I mean, that's a terrible feeling. So to get that validation from, from March, who is a superior, who's someone she seems to respect, that must feel very good for her. And she says, whether what this woman says is true or not, it is our duty to re-examine the case. And again, you see a cute little granny there and admit our mistakes if there were any. So, I mean, just a great appeal to humility. And Herman looks through the file, slams it shut and says, fine. <laughs> you have my authorization, authorization to proceed with the appeal. Detective March and Detective Cooper will be in charge of the case. Sinclair will be able to participate as a consultant due to her knowledge of the case, but nothing more. So in the end, you know, the appeal to justice won out with him as well. He was able to put aside his feelings and say, okay, you know what? If you're right. You do want to make sure that we're giving this case its due. And I, I, we as an audience needed that moment. We needed that moment for our, for March to be our voice in that moment of, hey, you know, this chick is trying to do the right thing. Whether she always goes about it in the right way is, yeah, questionable. But there's still a lot of solid evidence as to why you should still consider what she has to say. And we needed that moment from Herman, too, for us to see why he's the captain um, and how he's able to maintain that position. Um, because once again, just like it's hard to believe that Lauren could survive being in the police force or pass any of the tests that you would need to, if she's always got a hair trigger temperature or temperature, temper, <laughs> if she's got a hair trigger temperature, that's a problem too. Um, but, uh, you know, it's also hard for us to buy and accept that anyone would keep Herman around as a captain 
or why we should invest in him being part of the order uh, in that way um, if we can't see him be able to acknowledge reason. So it, it was a really good and needed moment for all of us. Um, and just that exchange and, you know, also showing, we talk about the lies a lot in this show and that's always being commented on. We need the juxtaposition of those moments of truth. And it doesn't have to be the complete truth, like how she left some things out about her being at the circus for it to still, for, this, for the essence of something to still be true. We don't need to know all of the facts. Herman doesn't need to know all of the facts. The March doesn't need to know all of the facts about what she's been doing outside of the police force for them to understand that the essence of what she's trying to do is right and good. And that there is truth and that is essentially true of her. Um, and likewise, you know, Herman can see the truth in March's uh, argument uh, about, you know, she needs, you know, she's done this, she's done that, um, and it can all be substantiated, and he's like, yeah, you're right, and so he acknowledges what's true within himself, like, he doesn't like it, but, <laughs> and he kind of says as much, like, I don't like this, but you're giving me evidence that I can't ignore, and if I'm going to be honest with myself, I have to look at this again, um, in order to be in alignment with what I claim to be. So it was just a very refreshing moment. And um, yeah, this, this is that moment where I was like, man, March, I'm so happy to see kind of a, a character step up and become more than just a, a background figure in this. And um, it's so nice to see, it's so nice to see Lauren have allies that aren't just her best friends, especially since her best friends are starting to get more and more suspicious. <laughs> you know and so it's just nice to see and it also kind of uh gives us some gives us a little bit more substance from when March called her to inform her that she's a suspect it gives us a little more context as to why he would do that other than a plot device um it kind of shows that oh they probably are actually friends and like oh yeah they did work together and oh yeah they do know stuff about each other so it was masterful in that way, but it was also really masterful in terms of uh, injecting some truth into all the lies. I don't know. What do you think, Meg? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, just as far as, um, I, I like the highlight of, like you were saying, like this, the stories about lies and just highlighting the truth. And then also Herman can't argue with facts. It's just, it is what it is. He can dislike Lauren all he wants. But when she plops a huge binder of hardcore evidence down on the desk, he, he doesn't have room to say anything. Like, it's, it's there. What are you going to do about it? Um, and especially that comment that he makes about redefining justice and bending the rules however you want it. Um, that's said, like, with true, like, negative purpose. He, he's pushing her buttons, and he knows he's pushing her buttons. And, um, and like I was saying in our notes there, it makes me think that his, I don't think his, his problem is with Lauren. Like, I, I feel like it's more than that. I don't feel like it's just, okay, this cop messed up a year ago. I think, I feel like he's got a bone to pick possibly with her uncle, the chief of police. And he's just channeling all those feelings through Lauren because she's available and he, she's his subordinate and she's an easy target. 
And um, like we were saying earlier, he can't keep his personal feelings out of his work, which is ironic. But I, I'd be interested to see if that is a plot point that you know happens that um, Herman has a conflict with Uncle Tristan. Because remember when Kim said at the very beginning of the story that Herman was singling Lauren out like he'd never done to anybody ever before? That there's gotta be something else there. There has to be, because we've seen no other reason for Herman to hate her as much as he does for just that mistake that she made. Like there's something else going on here that's that we don't know about yet. That's that's just personally what I think. And then um just to finish off with so that we can move on to the next panel. Um, I'm looking at my notes here again. Um, I like that March stood up to stood up for Lauren in front of Herman and he did it respectfully. Like everything he said had tact. Um, he didn't get any trouble. He didn't rile any feathers. He was a great mediator there. He was just very, very calm about how he did it. And, um, and then we have that precious Lauren smile. And I love to see Lauren happy because it doesn't happen so often and it makes me happy, but um, I can't let my happiness get away with me because let's remember how like there were six episodes from Honey, I'm Home and then six episodes later we had the Notorious episode 43. So happiness here scares me. Like it's, it's, it's a warning, like something's gonna go down and it scares me. So as much as I enjoy the smiles, I also dread them because what's coming next, happiness doesn't last in this world. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I think that's storytelling in general, right? If you ever, um, one of my favorite books is Story by Robert McKee, and it talks about how the way to um, move a story along, you go from a positive emotion to a negative emotion, negative to positive, positive to negative, negative to positive. Um, and yeah, so we're, we're going to get that swing. Anyway, oh, so yeah. it. <laughs> well, without sadness, you don't have joy. Without anger, you don't have love. It's life is, has to have all of those feelings to be complete. Anywho. Yeah, but gosh darn it, soft, let Lauren smile. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. For the sake of the angles. Right. So Herman says, get back to your desks. And now, you know, she <laughs> Lauren turns to March with this completely surprised look on her face and he gives us this little smile. It is adorable also. And you know, it's also very affirming, very validating like very much an ICU kind of smile. And, you know, she, you see, like she visibly relaxes, you know, she's, she was stiff before, but now that Herman's out, she, you know, kind of unfolds and says, I thought he'd never agree. Battle is far from one, but wow, this is such a relief. And thank you for stepping in for me. And again, smiling at him, being genuinely grateful and appreciative. And he pats her on the back as he leaves. And he says, oh, you've done all the work, Sinclair, and it's impressive. Cooper and I will not let it go to waste. Just completely validating and just like, really being you know I think a good mentor figure and then he I, says you probably sorry go ahead uh, I've just got one thing to add to that one that whole interaction and it's I'm just glad that March sees her as a detective and he's always seen her as a detective I don't think he ever once looked at her and saw a patrol officer um whereas Herman constantly mm -hmm. highlights officer 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 I feel like Herman um March excuse me has always seen her as a detective and she knows that. And I just love that. That's just, it's just great. I love the dynamic. Mm -hmm. It's always <laughs> wonderful to see the characters see each other as whole people, as opposed to just figures of this or that or the other, you know, just like whenever Lauren has that, has those moments of seeing 
you know, Kieran as a human being, being able to banter with him, um, being able to have human conversations with him as opposed to being just the assassin. And likewise, you know, when he's able to see her as being a human being as well and vice versa. And so it's always wonderful and so rewarding to see those moments of just acknowledging the other person and the other character. I'm so glad you brought that up, Meg. It is so refreshing. His best lines also show that he sees her as a person because he tells her, you probably should rest though, but you haven't slept much these past few days. So again, it's just, he's not just seeing her as a detective. And she says, I'll be going home. The New Year's party is tonight, but I, I'll assume I'm not invited. And then Mars is like, no, 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 no. It's not fair for him to do that. You know, if anyone asks, you have my permission. She's like, what's Herman going to say about that? And he's like, I'll deal with him. I'm getting good at it anyways. <laughs> so again, he wants her to have, you know, he's concerned with her her physical health and her social life. So good for him. And then he's like, hmm, I probably should ask for a raise. So her mind's really a difficult person. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yes, you should. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Not sure it counts as rest though. Like better than working or worrying all night, which haha, they know what Lauren is all about. Working and worrying. <laughs> Pretty perceptive. Yeah. And I'll see you there then. And she's like, yes, might as well join my life before jail. <laughs> poor Lauren she can't catch a break poor girl I know serious situation and making jokes which is how people deal with stress a lot mm-hmm. I really I really am so grateful that in the past couple episodes like you were saying after a negative you do need a positive you do need something to reinstate your faith as to why you're going through the struggle um so it really has been refreshing to see the humor kind of come back in these last few episodes. Or when I say humor, I don't necessarily just mean ha-ha funny. I mean um, things that are that can range from anything from being lighthearted to being something that's just um, a little bit more positive or a little bit more dynamic than just intense, dramatic, negative death, destruction, and lies. Um, it's nice to see things kind of be created um, in that way and just these moments of just back and forth of like eh, how do you deal with this on the everyday level like yeah I might go to jail yeah this woman might be convicted wrongfully forever but yeah we're, we're, we're kind of dealing with this as it comes and I also like that little moment and I don't know about you guys but I'm not sure if that's a tip or a nod to a potential pivotal point in the future that um, March can deal with Herman in a way that the other members of the force cannot. Um, So I'm not sure if that's some foreshadowing there, but it was a nice moment to also see that, ooh, I should ask, (laughs) and just that cute little back and forth. And I think that's a really great uh, segue into um, and it kind of it kind of answers some questions as a reader. Well, like what's we're standing now, and we got to learn and we got some exposition into that as far as you know, he establishes speaking on behalf of the precinct. Like we don't view you any differently. Yeah, we've got some red tape in terms of what you can and cannot do uh, moving forward officially, but as far as how we see you, you're straight with us until until we get any evidence to the contrary that would tell us that that's not the truth 
you're straight with us. And so again, we see this reward for, um, for being open and being honest. And it's also just nice to see Lauren have friends and smile. Again, like Meg is saying, we see it so little, but it really is refreshing. And um, yeah. March be like, you good. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then they do <laughs> and speaking of friends we're about to get into a very social new arc because we see her later at the bar it's called s and e bar which we presume stands for soft and f <laughs> so open f and you see a bunch of people standing outside the bar and lauren seems to be a little bit hesitant at first because she's around the corner she's you know leaning against the wall and while not engaged with people yet. So I feel like that might be a little bit of her still feeling a little bit left out or maybe uncomfortable because of the, the suspicion that she's in at the station. And you see everyone socializing, March with a pink-haired girl and this brown-eyed person and just random people that we don't necessarily know um, socializing. She's standing on the corner and she's thinking. And she's going, referring back to the um, fortune teller who told her the future, although it appears solid, the tower has been built on unstable tru mistruths and delusions. The world as you know it will come crashing down before you, stricken by the lightning bolt of truth. There is no escape from this destruction. And she thinks to herself, I've never believed in that stuff. But then she remembers how Abe Sandman said they were apostles. And everything that she thought about her parents was not true. And then she says, but she was unnervingly right that night. And she you know, grips her, her quote and she says, and that... And then the fortune teller has, you know, another flashback that someone around you has or will stab you in the back. Doesn't sound like anything good. And we have open your eyes, Lauren. Remind me, who said open your eyes, Lauren? That's the fortune teller said that, right? And that was another mm -hmm. like suspicious thing because how would she know her name? So Lauren thinks to herself, if I was blind to this, what else am I failing to see? And then she thinks, um, you know, again, the, the fortune teller says, you may think your enemies are hidden in the shadows. And now she starts thinking about all the people that could possibly be the ones that the fortune teller is referring to. She thinks of Kieran, of Will, of Tristan, of Dakon, of Kim. And then she shuts her eyes and she says, what am I doing? I can't let that get to my head. Huh, that must be hard, hard for her. You know, it's, she's, it's like, she's taking this fortune teller seriously something that she never did before which in and of itself must be hard to question you know oh like this thing that I thought was nonsense suddenly is true and like should I take it seriously and then to have to question you know she's already going through a lot with learning that her parents were apostles and teaming up with Karen I mean her whole life is just I feel like the rug is being pulled out from under her feet and now she has to start suspecting everybody who's close to her I mean that must add another really huge dimension of stress to her life mm. Yeah, isn't that the truth? And I know we're getting close to the time that um, some of you guys have to have to go. So I'm just gonna go directly off my notes so I don't run rabbit trails. Um, and if I do come back, like that's me, I'm a note person. Like I'll go directly off the notes every time. Um, but I, let's see, where am I? Okay, um, calling. There's a lot we could say about those theories with the cards and the fortune teller. Um, but I think the one that we're all kind of focused on is the stabbing in the back, like the big one. Um, right now, the main theory, I think, is that Will or Kim will be the one to stab, to stab Lauren in the back uh, by revealing her as Loon. Um, I think that's the one that is most prevalent. Um, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see for that one. Um, but I did want to briefly discuss just 
cre creating theories in general. Um, a good twist or plot point in a story must have story consequences that affect the plot and pack some sort of emotional punch against our main characters and by extension the readers. Um, just because a twist is shocking doesn't mean it's good and we could do so many examples of plot twists that we've seen in media that were shocking but quality <laughs> debatable um shocking does not equal good and um they were no shockingly bad ryan johnson like shocking yes good me a twist it has to make good narrative sense um, and I, and I do, I trust Soph and F, they've got great storytelling skills, and I don't think that they would go through all this work and all this detail and make a twist that, though shocking, doesn't make narrative sense. So anything that we come up with theories, um, we've got to think about what would be the purpose, what would be the drive, what's the motivation behind the character's actions that would bring them to that point. It's got to make sense. Um, what packs the biggest emotional punch? I know as an author, you always want to do the thing where you, you stick your, your hand in the heart, in the center of your reader and rip out their heart. Like that's the goal. Let's just be honest. We <laughs> like to break hearts. Um, and from that standpoint, uncle betraying her or Kim betraying her or Will betraying her would pack the biggest emotional punch. Karen betraying her, I mean, it doesn't make good narrative sense, mainly because he's already betrayed her once. And doing it again would be redundant, I feel like. Um, and I think it's interesting to note the order of how she lists these people in her mind. Um, and, and she lists it is, I think, Kieran, Will, Uncle, and you said Dakon? Dakon? And I say Dakin for whatever okay. reason. So I, I don't know which one's right. Um, Maybe it's Dakin. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. We need, we need, and and you said Saki for some reason. I've been calling him Saki this whole time. <laughs> yeah. I've also been calling him Saki, and then I read somewhere that um, Soph at some point wrote this little rhyme, which steak was a mistake. So yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? Let's assume it's steak. So. Yeah, I know. But Saki, I, don't know. I don't know. That's how I've read it. Um, and Kim was the last one on the list. And based on that order alone, you would, Kim's the standout just because she's listed last. Um, I personally, and this is just me, um, think it's going to be Will and not Kim. And if we have time, we can discuss that. I have my own reasons. because, But I also believe Kim is like 85% sure that Lauren is loon. And she might even suspect that Kieran is involved. But I don't think she thinks he's part of the Phantom Sci-Fi by any, by any means. Um, but it's just, like I said, with the theories, it's got to make narrative sense. It just can't be shocking for shocking's sake. So. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, we're short on time, so I just wanted to quick brush all that off before I got on a rabbit trail. I personally, uh, I actually am glad that you brought this up. I remember when I read that in your notes when you sent them, and I was so happy to see somebody else agree with what I've been trying to say the whole time, and I, I totally agree with you. I actually, I would be very surprised if they ultimately chose Kieran to be the one who betrays Lauren in this way because it's like you said it's already happened and yeah. it's also yeah. also his MO as a character so in terms of something that she needs to open her eyes to she already doesn't trust him 100% um, so that makes very little narrative sense 
Um, she's already waiting for bombs to drop whenever he's around, whether he, whether she trusts him, it's situational. Um, and they already know that about each other. They have to trust each other, each other in different contexts, but in terms of expecting a betrayal, I mean, that's already happened. So it's already something that they've incorporated to their knowledge of each other. Um, yeah. as far as Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, following that line of expecting betrayal, though, um, it's from a reader standpoint. Like Lauren's expecting probably at some point Kieran. She would. He's the first one on her suspect list um, when she lists everybody. It's Kieran's the first one that comes to her mind. I know from the readers, and if you go through the comments and everything, the person everybody thinks of when we're thinking who's going to betray Lauren, the uncle is always up there every single yeah. time. And yeah. That's why I don't think it's going to be him because it is expected. And I don't think Soph and F do what is, you know, the uncle's been sus since the beginning. Like, so I don't think it's going to be him. I do. I think it's going to be Will or Kim. And I have my reasons for Will. And if we have time, we can go over those. But I don't think it's going to be Will or Karen. I actually agree. I think narrative sense wise, um, in terms of who's going to betray her, I actually have also been thinking Will for the longest time, only because that's been set up for us. And it's yeah. been set up that, you know, they had that conversation of what would you do if I was Loon? And yeah. he would be like, turn you in. That's his hard line character um, foil to Lauren is yeah. he's going to do what's lawful. He's the very lawful good, whereas she's... Um, more of the either neutral or chaotic good um and he's not going to diverge from that path for anyone's you know amusement um even if it's his friends he's kind of made that clear yeah do i ultimately think that that means he wouldn't come back around and redeem himself no i think it would be possible that depending on how events play out if he was the one to betray, then um, he would probably bring it back, bring it back around to redeem himself because that's also very typical for him as a character. The one that will be interesting to see that I honestly think might also happen is some sort of Kim betrayal, but not on a fundamental level that it completely screws up what Lauren is doing. I think there might be some surprises there there's still a lot of mystery surrounding her loss related to her watch. And I am intrigued to know that even though she's suspicious of Lauren being loon, I'm not sure that 100% she knows that it has connections to Kieran, who's Purple Hyacinth, who's part of Phantom Side. And I feel like once that's made, uh, and also, Kim has a little bit of mystery of herself, too. So I'm not sure. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little sus of Kim being uh, some sort of ally or connection with Phantom Scythe as well. Not that she is a member, per se, but that she has some sort of affiliation that we don't know of yet. Um, there's been a lot of intentional mystery surrounding her background as a character. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens surrounding that and what happens in light of all of these revelations coming forth in terms of what she decides to do next. Um, she might not, I don't think she'll throw her friendship under the bus, but it is possible that she might betray Loon. Um, and I kind of, I half agree with you with Uncle Tristan. I feel like it's being set up a little bit intentionally for him to be a target of being such, but uh, whether or not 
he comes through with a huge kind of betrayal remains to be seen. Um, it's possible that, like, I don't think he would be the character to actively betray. He's being set up for me more as having connections to potentially either the leader or the S in a way that um, is more of a higher up admin administrative level. I don't think it's a, I feel like the betrayal that we're being set up to expect is kind of a more of a direct, directly impactful action, or at least that's the intensity and the urgency with which it's being portrayed and constantly revisited. Um, and I don't see Uncle Tristan as being that immediate, direct yeah. impact at this moment. I yeah. do think he's yeah. us, and I do think we'll probably see some sort of mystery revealed about him in the future, just based on the way it's being set up. But I don't know if this immediate event that's being posited is going to necessarily be him. I see his yeah. mystery being revealed in the long term, not the short term. And I feel like this betrayal might be more of an urgent short term kind of thing that might get a payoff soon based and on how it's being recalled, you know? Yeah. And if it is Will or Kim, either one will break my heart. The only good thing I can think of that would come out of it is we possibly would get Kieran and Lauren together in hiding or on the run, which I, I mean, like there's that, that there's shipping material that could be had there. So I like yeah, that idea. It'll be nice to see the friendship reform in a more solid way. Yeah. Back, Meg, I'm assuming that this is one of the things you, were, you want, maybe wanted to say about Will is that Will also has a lot of pressure on him, as we see from his father, to do the right thing, to, you know, bear the mantle of the family, to do the family proud. So I think besides for his own, you know, lawful personality, I think there's also a lot of pressure on his shoulders. So yeah. I can see that being an element. And his father doesn't approve of Lauren. So I can see that being, you know, adding in and him breaking under that pressure, doing something yeah. maybe he doesn't really want to do. Yeah, that's, that's a that's my Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. And and just side note, Stefan uh, Hawks is right now my number one suspect for the leader. That's that's just me. Side note. <laughs> <laughs> I will co-sign your theory. I, I will co-sign your theory for now. I actually think the leader is either going to be someone so close to Lauren, or it's going to be someone. I'm. I'm honestly hoping that there is a little bit of a distance and there is a little bit of a payoff um, in terms of being someone that we just completely don't expect at all. Um, so I think either one of those would be really satisfying to see. But yeah, oh my gosh, it's the butler. I knew it this whole time. But I'll totally co-sign your theory for the moment, Laura, uh, Meg, in terms of uh, that's how good detective work you were doing. I called you Lauren. Um, <laughs> I'm going to dress up as her one day. I, I am. I'm going to get the shirt. I'm going to do the hair. I have the hair. Yeah, you have the hair for it. it works out. It's too long right now. <laughs> <laughs> you cut it just for that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get, I'll get a cut strictly just for Lauren. That'll be the day. <laughs> or get the Kieran cut. Have we, oh, no, no, no. Have seen his hair without a ponytail? We need to see his hair without a ponytail at some point.
I, I need to see what the angle of this cut is, man, because I can't I mean, figure it out. How is it like to somehow yeah, maintain? I, I, have, I have like a mental but image. Short, and then it's <laughs> I'm like vi visualizing a zigzag across this head. So no, you can you can see it like the no hair, it's hair commercial. You can see the wind blowing through it, and then you know. Yes, <laughs> yes. Please give me that commercial. We get it sometimes the looks that Will and Kim give now and then. And then, oh, that one wonderful panel of Lauren running towards Lady, Art Lady Artingham. That was honestly the panel that made me fall in love with this webtoon was just the visual and storytelling gorgeousness of that one panel in and of itself. I was like, ah, my breath is taken away. I can feel the sunshine radiating onto me through this artwork. And um, <laughs> I actually did um, on the one fan page, I put just a list of, this soap is really great and whoever the line artists are as well really great at drawing hair it's just wow. it's so amazing in the i know hair in motion hair mm -hmm. coloring you know it just like every single time it's beautiful i like that it never looks perfect like it always looks like ruffled or like everything's out of a little bit out of place like i love that i do it adds to the story it adds some emotion and it adds some context it shows mm -hmm. you where you are in the environment and it shows um you know it just adds some i want to say romance but more in more in the um descriptive sense like yeah. um wistful kind of feeling you know it really transport it helps to transport you and yeah yeah and also like the curls that come over his parents forehead and like around the side i mean like He'd be cute though. <laughs> Word. So speaking of what they're skillful at, they're also really good at portraying this comedic emotion. Like we yeah. see right now, Kim is just a whir. She's barreling towards Lauren and she grabs her. Lauren's like, huh? She's like, ah, Kim, let me go. And Kim has this demonic, <laughs> excited look on her face. She's bathed in land. She's hilarious. She's like tonight is the night. I'm going to beat Lucas at his blackmailing game, which... <laughs> doesn't happen because she's whatever not not strategic let's just say <laughs> and she's like but you're the one he gets most dirt on every year like yeah this is going to be the opposite of restful and it's funny it's cute we like you know kim is is again her chaotic self and then will says ah oh, mr white is here let's go in and then she's like what kieran is also invited and you see our our main man <laughs> walking down the street, giving us this knowing smile. And that's how it ends. He has this like, this is like his archive look, you know, he's this like quiet, demure, you know, nerdy-ish kind of look, which it's just very funny to see him in that persona. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it ends. <laughs> Uh, and and I love uh, what I love what you said uh, in your notes earlier, Meg, about how why is Lauren surprised that Kieran is here? He works there now. <laughs> it's yeah, not it's a like surprise. you're a Lauren. Like he's a coworker. It's a coworker party. You know, put two and two together. Looks so soft, honey. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this shows that you know Kieran's presence does something to her. I'm just gonna go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, that is but, I mean, the thing about last week, though. I mean, we, with normal ships, you know, people fingers touch and butterflies and lovely feelings and then you have Kieran and Lauren touching trauma 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, um, right? And I know we've got to wrap it up, yeah. but um, I just, uh, one thing, uh, and, I, and I, this is in my notes, and like I said, I'm, I'm always going to go off my notes, otherwise I lose my head, ADD. Um, Kim is that enthusiasm and that comedic style of art and everything when she, she, she comes on and she drags Lauren and she looks happy and she looks excited and she's like, oh, I'm going to beat him at the blackmail game and she's all pumped and excited. And we've already seen in this story that Kim is a person who covers what she's feeling with sarcasm, humor, um, and just that that really joyful, um, bubbly um, personality that she has. And I was just, because we were think we we're just talking about how Kim and Will could possibly betray her. And the first thing that popped into my mind was, could this over-the-top excitement for this party um, and all the, the dramatic and the th theatrics and stuff just be a cover for what she's she's feeling. We know that she felt a little hurt that Lauren didn't clue her in on the dating with Kieran. Um, and I think that deep down what she's actually feeling is she's scared she's about to lose Lauren, either in a friendship sense or in the way she suspects with Loon. And she wants to enjoy that friendship and that joy and those happy moments as much as possible. Like she wants to lose herself in it. She wants to just get drunk on it. Like she just wants to completely absorb herself into that dynamic because she's scared she's about to lose it. Um, I think she does. I think she believes that she's gonna lose Lauren in some way, shape or form. And that this excitement is kind of a cover for that because that's what Kim does. That's her character. Um, she puts on a good act. It's a good act. I mean, Will said in the very beginning, you're a great actor, you should be an actor. But it's, it's also really sad and true for a lot of people too. Like very relatable. That's a really interesting analysis, and I actually didn't necessarily interpret it that way. I somewhat disagree in terms of um, her specific motivations for the specific incident. Well, maybe but I'm not that specific, but that's what made me think of it. Like, I don't know if that's what she's feeling like in this moment, but I, it's it's one of those things that made me think of it cross my mind. Like, how excited does she want to be? How much does she want to enjoy this fun time? mainly because she has all these fears. And as humans, fear is one of the number thing, number one things that drives us, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I, what I was also gonna say though, is I'm also not gonna necessarily 100% discredit what you're saying, because it is true. Even though I think, I think part of her personality, she genuinely does wanna have a oh. good time and yeah. she values the time over that. But I do think that there is some root of truth in what you're saying value the good time and it come it could partly come from a place of value the good times um because there are so many sad times and I don't feel like experiencing that 100% of my life I don't feel like focusing my life on that why should I have to and um also I do think it's very important to note like you said she does cover a lot of things up with humor um as much as it is a genuine part of her personality it is also her best defense mechanism as well and I think it changes with the context. And um, that's an interesting observation that you, or interesting analysis that you make that she might be very much afraid of losing Lauren imminently. And actually, I would argue that some of the things that we've seen recently for, for Kim do actually lend itself in favor of that theory that she is under the belief that she will lose Lauren soon. I mean, going, uh, you know, her and Lauren having that conversation in the house the one time and um, Lauren 
almost nearly admitting to Kim that, hey, I'm um, And, you know, Kim looking for whatever reason she can to skillfully question um, and ascertain information without blowing up Lauren's spot. Um, you know, I, I think that that's actually interesting to see. And I'm excited to actually now read in the future with that in mind and seeing it from that perspective and seeing if things pan out that way. Because that would be very interesting to see if Kim's character is predominantly motivated in her interactions with Lauren by the thought of her losing her. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of, what new hijinks will come from that as well <laughs> um, is, is a rewarding concept in and of itself. Also, I can't wait to see what this blackmail game is all about because I am so clueless as far as where, where that's going at this moment, or at least I should say, we should be clueless about it, because the yeah, fast fast fast. Fast. <laughs> I, I, I would say, I I am living for next week, and to hear the reactions, because yeah. it's going to go down, and I am, I'm just going to sit there and watch it burn, it's going to be great. <laughs> Uh, it's it's gonna be so satisfying so deeply satisfying we need some hijinks we need some levity we need some humor yeah we need some reminders why we invest in these characters and in this plot we need yep. that we need it so much <laughs> give it to me <laughs> on that anticipatory note i'm gonna have to wrap this up they do have to run but thank you so, so, so much for coming on. And it was great to, to meet both of you and to hear you. And I, I really hope that we get to do this again. So um, thank you, it was fantastic. Thank you for bringing your insights and your um, discussion to this. Uh, it was thank fun, I really enjoyed it. Yep, thank you so much. And I will end the recording and we will, I'll definitely catch up with you guys later. <laughs> Sounds okay. good. See ya. Thank you so much. So much fun. Nice I to pleasure. meet you, Meg. Nice to meet you, Mindy. Nice Have to meet you. Yeah, bye. I'd like to thank my current patrons. Susie, Lady Libris, Mary, Cat, Chelsea, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, and Saucy Tuggles. Thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate it.